Best and worst case scenarios for Artemi Panarin, Vincent Trocek, and Blake Wheeler. What can we expect from all three players this season? And will this be the second line for the New York Rangers on opening night? We discuss on today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 891 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And we are, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And so wanted to go ahead, continue our off-season series that we've been doing. We're kind of getting toward the end of this project here. Basically, we started with the goalies, worked our way to the defensemen. Uh, now we are going through the forwards here. Basically, just taking a look at every single player that I believe will be a member of the New York Rangers opening night roster, going through all the best case and the worst case scenarios for every single player. And today, we are all the way up to the second line. And then after this, it'll just be the top liner. You know, what could be the second line? What could be the top line? And like I said in the past, uh, once it gets closer to opening night, I'll kind of have some uh, definitive line combinations, defense pairings, uh, the the combinations that I would really like to see the Rangers go with. Uh, and we'll kind of predict what the Rangers themselves will do. Maybe we'll do uh, one for each, you know, what I would do and what the Rangers will probably end up doing. But uh, regardless, for the time being, we're going to go ahead and, like I said, continue our best and worst case scenario. And we are talking about what could be the Rangers' second line on opening night. And once again, that is left to right, Panarin, Trocek, and Blake Wheeler. And we're going to start with Artemi Panarin. Panarin now 31 years old. And as far as what he did this past season, I know everybody's uh, focus is going to go right to the playoffs right away because obviously it was not good for Panarin. But doesn't do anything to change the fact that it was, once again, another excellent season for Artemi Panarin with the New York Rangers. He skated in all 82 games for the second time in his career and the first time since 2016-2017. He had 29 goals, 63 assists, 92 points. 92 points is the third highest total of his career. And all three of his biggest seasons, just going by points, all three of those have indeed come with the New York Rangers. So a heck of a player before he got here and has become you know really even better uh, since he arrived on Broadway. He was also a plus four, which is interestingly the uh, worst plus minus mark of Panarin's career, a 14.2 shooting percentage. Averaged 19 minutes and 36 seconds of ice time per night. Blocked 11 shots. Had 26 hits. Uh, 36 takeaways against 102 giveaways. The 102 giveaways, the most of his career. And that is something that's become a little bit of an issue for Panarin. There's times where, you know, he'll try to thread the needle a little bit too much and it'll be to the Rangers' detriment. But uh, regardless, I mentioned the uh, playoff stats a second ago. Got to go through them, even though there's not really much to go over. There's not really a whole lot to say. Seven games, uh, no goals, two assists minus two overall. And I know for sure that his two assists were in game one. And I'm almost positive that both of them happened in the first period of game one. So after that, I mean, you're looking at basically uh, 20 straight periods of Artemi Panera not registering a point, which is, I mean, you say that out loud, it's almost difficult to believe, but that is a fact. That is what happened to Panarin last year in the playoffs. And as far as his contract is concerned, if you guys can believe this, uh, he's now past the halfway point of his contract with the New York Rangers. He's now going to be entering year five, year five for Panarin with the Rangers, year five of a seven-year deal, uh, cap hit of $11.64 million. 
and he has a full no-move clause for all seven years of that contract. So worst-case scenario for Artemi Panarin, I think, uh, again, it's probably the first thing that comes to the mind of a lot of Ranger fans and maybe even just general hockey fans who noted that he obviously did not play well in the playoffs. I think in a worst-case scenario for Panarin, his confidence is a little bit shaken uh, from that run against the Devils. I mean, Panarin is not somebody that lacks confidence. He's not somebody that uh, goes out there and struggles to, to produce offensively, certainly in the regular season. But uh, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that that's probably the worst hockey we've ever seen Artemi Panarin play since he's been in the NHL. And I know two years ago, it wasn't a great playoff run from Panarin. And part of that is he sets the bar so high for, for himself, you really expect a lot. But, you know, the, the saving grace two years ago was 16 points in 20 games, even though he was not playing at his best and he was indecisive and he did turn the puck over too many times, still ended up producing offensively. And of course, the iconic Game 7 overtime winner. But last year, as I've talked about in the past, there was not much to salvage uh, from that playoff run from Artemi Panarin. So I think in a worst case, that kind of sticks with him and maybe he's just not himself at the start of this upcoming season. I like to think that you have a whole offseason sooner or later, you, you know, it's in the past, it's over and done with, it's in the record books, there's nothing you can do to change it, you start focusing on, in on the future, and I think that's what Panarin will likely do, um, but it's not, you know, crazy to think that, you know, his confidence was a little bit shaken out of, or after uh, what was, um, you know, a very lackluster playoff showing for Artemi Panarin, to put it mildly. I think also in a worst case scenarios, and this is one that, you know, we kind of have somewhat control over at least those of us that are on social media and those of us that are going to be uh, certainly attending Ranger games at Madison Square Garden in a worst case scenario for Panarin, he starts to hear it from the fans. And I'm not talking about like, you know, he has a bad start and he's not playing great hockey and he starts to hear it from the fans after like five, seven, 10 games, whatever. I'm talking about in a worst case, it's possible that Artemi Panarin on opening night, I mean, the Rangers have two road games to start the season, but uh, the Rangers home opener in Madison Square Garden, that he starts to hear it from the fans a little bit. Um, look, I get the disappointment. I get the frustration. I even get the anger if you're literally mad at Artemi Panarin uh, for the way that he played in the playoffs this past season. But uh, I do think that, um, you know, that's going to be to the team's detriment. If you're out there, because I see people on social media saying things like, oh, boo Panarin on opening night. What is that going to accomplish? You know, with Panarin, I don't think it's ever really been a lack of effort. I, I think there's times where in the playoffs, grips the stick a little too tight, just kind of overthinks things, is indecisive, just doesn't play with that same looseness and that same fun that we're used to seeing him play with in the regular season. So uh, I just can't get on board with the idea of booing Panarin. Again, I don't think it's a lack of effort. There was one play. There was one of the games in New Jersey. It might have been game five. Um, the Rangers were on the power play. The Devils ended up scoring a shorthanded goal. And Panarin didn't exactly go flying on his back check to, to get back and get in position. I don't think it would have really made a difference anyway um, because, you know, the, the rebound went right to the devil and there's no way Panarin could have gotten to that guy in time. But it didn't look good when he was just kind of gliding while the Devils had an on-man rush. You never know when you're going to be able to uh, fight for the puck or, you know, at least break up a scoring opportunity or something. So that didn't look so good for Panarin. Also possible that he was gassed at the end of a long shift. Um, but again, I, I just don't see Panarin's a good guy. You know, he's he's somebody that kind of, um, you know, made it a desirable place to come to, the New York Rangers. A chance to play with Artemi Panarin. Uh, he's kind of the centerpiece of the Rangers' rebuild. They had to rebuild from within, but they also went out and made some moves as well. And uh, Artemi Panarin, again, kind of the guy to, to bring in is like, okay, this is the guy that's going to produce big-time offensive fireworks year after year. And he's held up at his end of the bargain uh, when it comes to that. Something else in a worst-case scenario for Panarin, we've talked about this with some of the other vets. I mentioned it with uh, Chris Kreider for sure, but 
Maybe a little bit of a disconnect between Panarin and LaViolette or really any of the Ranger vets in LaViolette. We've talked about this in the past too. LaViolette, he's not exactly uh, subtle. He's not afraid to uh, make his voice heard on the bench there. Um, he'll lay into his team when he has to. Could there be a little bit of a disconnect between, you know, a fiery coach like uh, Peter LaViolette and somebody like Panarin who is kind of, I mean, laid back almost sounds like he's nonchalant. He doesn't care. I don't mean to imply that, but there is a certain looseness with which he plays um, where you can see a little bit of a personality difference uh, between Panarin and LaViolette. But let's go ahead, turn our attention to the fun stuff, the best case scenarios. I think in a best case scenario, and this is kind of the uh, opposite of what I mentioned just a second ago, the fans rally around Artemi Panarin. Because like I said, I've seen, and, and look, it, it's just social media. It's just Twitter. It's just a handful of fans. But, oh, let's boo Panarin on opening night again. I get the frustration. I get, you know, being disappointed. It's not like Panarin, and he, he was kind of the poster child because he's got the big uh, the big gaudy offensive numbers. He's the one with the monster contract as well. But it's not like Artemi Panarin was the only player on this team that underperformed in the playoffs this past season. I, I think that pretty much everybody could have done at least a little bit better, uh, with the one exception perhaps being Eeyore Shesterkin. But again, I feel like the effort is are, are always there, excuse me. And... um. I think guys should be booed. Like, like when it comes to booing your own players, I think if there's ever a time to boo your own players, it's when there's a lack of effort or a lack of accountability. So basically anybody who plays baseball for the New York Yankees, you, that's fair game. I think you can boo them. But for somebody like Artemi Panarin, who goes out there and gives effort every single night, seems to really deeply care about this team. Obviously, if you want to go all the way back to when he signed with the Rangers, clearly he wanted to be here. Uh, and he has embraced the challenge of playing under the bright lights of New York City and playing with the New York Rangers and, and playing with this historic team and trying to get them to their second championship and whatever it is now, E3, 84 years, uh, whatever it might be. So Artemi Panarin, I mean, look, he was very accountable after the playoff series last year. He talked to the reporters and acknowledged that he just wasn't any good and he was very frustrated and you could tell it cut him pretty deep and it bothered him. And I'm sure in a lot of ways, this has been a tough off season for Artemi Panarin. I know we're all looking forward to New York Ranger hockey. I'm not so sure there's anybody looking forward to New York Ranger hockey more than Artemi Panarin at this point, because the only way to put it behind you is to get back out there and do what you do, put your best foot forward, have another strong season. And then with Panarin, uh, get it done in the playoffs, you know, show up in, in the, in the postseason Once again, when the lights are their brightest, and that is something he's done in the past. We've talked about that before as well. He had a good playoff room with Columbus the year that they eliminated the, the lightning Had a couple of good showings at the Blackhawks as well. Um, maybe not quite what he's done in the regular season, but also, uh, you know, it's not like he's somebody that disappears every single season in the playoffs. This is really the first time that he's ever done that. So fingers crossed that obviously that does not become a trend. And it kind of leads me into uh, the next thing that I was going to talk about here. He delivers the kind of playoff performance that we all know that he's capable of. As I just mentioned, it's not like playoff success is a foreign concept to Artemi Panarin. Uh, I talked about the 16 points in 20 games two years ago with the Rangers. Um, there was uh, you know, a moment that doesn't really get talked about. And this could have been a game-winning goal for the Rangers in just an enormous situation. So if you go back two years, everybody remembers the play where Ryan Strom had a chance to, in game five, game was tied. It was third period, getting pretty late. Uh, and the series was tied as well. So whoever you know won this game, it was going to be huge. Uh, so you've got Ryan Strom basically like fanning on, on the puck, basically. You know, he had to reach behind him a little bit, but couldn't control the puck, couldn't bury what would have been an easy tap-in goal. And, uh, you know, a lot of Ranger fans remember that moment. But what's easy to forget there, that play was set up by two 
brilliant passes. And I think that's what makes it even more difficult to kind of digest because Panarin, he had somebody all over him, made a ridiculous spin move, got the puck to Andrew Kopp. Kopp had people all over him. He made a ridiculous uh, backhand pass over to Strom and Strom was unable to finish. So, um, you know, that that's another example of Artemi Panarin. He set that whole thing up. That could have been a game-winning goal in game five of the Eastern Conference final. They win that game. Who knows? Maybe they end up taking the series as well. Maybe they go to the finals and who knows what happens at that point. But just one example. Again, it's not like he just completely melts every single season. It's a tough year for him. Tough showing in the playoffs. And uh, there's no running from it. There's no hiding from it. It's one of those things that's going to be there. And if the Rangers do make the playoffs this upcoming season, I think for sure you're going to see a situation where, you know, all eyes are going to be on Artemi Panarin, not just from Ranger fans. That's going to be one of the storylines around the entire NHL is what is Artemi Panarin? You know, we're used to seeing him go off in the regular season, but can he bounce back from what was, again, a pretty dismal showing in the playoffs uh, this past season? I think also in the best case scenario, Artemi Panarin has the right line mates and he has some stability on his line. Uh, we talked about how Panarin, and this is something you could throw in there as well for best case scenario. He is able to elevate pretty much anybody that he plays with. Uh, we've gone through the list before all these different players, you know, big time players, uh, homegrown players, journeyman players, AHL, NHL swingmen, defensive forwards, you name it. Panarin can, you know, raise somebody's game to the next level if they are on his line. But I do think his absolute best season as a member of the Rangers was when he had Ryan Strom and Jesper Foss on a line with him. And if you watch the Rangers that season, they didn't, I mean, they would change lines from time to time. And every once in a while, you'd see him bump up to go play with, uh, you know, Mika Zibanejad on the top line. But for the most part, that line stuck together throughout the entire season. I just feel like with Panarin, the best thing to do with him, and again, you can always make, you know, line changes when you have to, but if it's not necessary, don't do it just to do it uh, the way that Gallant did at times this past season. Stick with uh, the same line combinations for a while and only make changes when they're necessary because Panarin, to me, when he was at his best, it came uh, during that season when Stroman Foss spent pretty much the entire season with Artemi Panarin. Those were his guys. He got used to them, and he had an excellent season, uh, even by Panarin's standards. So uh, we'll see, and we could debate, you know, who the two guys should be with him this season. I know some people want Hedl. Other people want to stick with Trocek. Tough to say for sure. It's nice to have some options. As far as the right wing, you can see Kako there. You can see Wheeler there. Maybe Lafreniere ends up moving over to the right wing. So they do have options. But whoever they end up going with, I'm just hoping that they give it some run. They stick with it for a while. And they don't make any changes until they feel it's absolutely necessary. I think also, in a best-case scenario for Artemi Panarin, this is something that I've said quite a bit on here. I'd like to see him shoot a little bit more. Uh, Panarin, one of the guys on the Rangers who is selfless to a fault. Career shooting percentage of 14.3. But... He has averaged fewer than three shots on goal per game. So those numbers to me don't quite equate. You know, if you're putting the puck in the net that often when you shoot it, I'd like to see you shoot it uh, at least a little bit more often. And maybe we'll see that from Panarin this upcoming season. Uh, you know, I mentioned the game seven overtime winner not too long ago. I mean, thank God he chose to shoot there. I mean, imagine he tries to force a pass and it's turned over and the Penguins shoot it down. And I mean, that, I mean, who knows what happened? You're game seven overtime. So you, you can't say for sure uh, the Rangers even would have won that game. So glad that he pulled the trigger there and be a little selfish. Be that guy that's going to lead the way uh, for this Ranger team. Be a sniper. Be be an assassin out there, man. I want to see Panarin with a new attitude. And, um, you know, part of that, I think, is, is shooting a little bit more often. Put the puck at the net. Don't always feel like you have to be selfless. Don't always feel like you have to set up your buddy. If you get a chance to shoot, pull the trigger and shoot. Uh, and then one other that I want to mention here, and this goes back to the playoff discussion that we were having. He remembers to have some fun in the playoffs because, again, I've talked about this in the past, too. If you're somebody that's 
used to, you know, keeping it light and having fun and just having the time of your life out there playing hockey. If you're that guy in the regular season, you need to be that guy in the playoffs too. And I get that the game changes and it's more intense and all that stuff, but you could still be having fun out there. And you just watch Artemi Panarin, not even during the play, just watch him like between plays. And I don't want to be like a body language doctor or anything like that, but I mean, it, it seems like he's almost like a different player. Like he's afraid to have fun and afraid to enjoy himself when it comes to the playoffs. Be who you always are. You know, don't go reinventing the wheel just because you go from the regular season uh, to the playoffs. So that would happen for Artemi Panarin in a best case scenario. We're going to keep everything rolling in just a second. We're going to move to uh, move to our right here, so to speak. Go from uh, Panarin to Vincent Trocek. We will talk about him. Best and worst case scenarios for Vincent Trocek, who's about to enter year two with the New York Rangers. And we're going to do that in just a second here. But first, got to let everybody know. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100, $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you will not want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so we're going to go ahead keep everything rolling here. Turn our attention to Vincent Trocek, now 30 years old. Uh, 82 games this past season for the third time in his career. Had 22 goals. That was the fourth most of his career and the most since 2017-2018 with the Panthers. Uh, 42 assists. That was the second most of his career. Just missed his previous career high of 44. He was a plus three. 9.8 shooting percentage. 1919 time on the ice per night. Career high, 56.1 face-off win percentage for Vincent Trocek. More on that in just a second as well. Uh, 44 block shots, 182 hits. That was the second most of his career. 55 takeaways, 64 giveaways. As far as the contract, he is entering year two of a seven-year deal worth a total of $39.375 million. Annual cap hit of $5.625 million. He has a full no-move clause for the first three years of the deal. Year four, he can block trades to 12 teams. Years five and six, he can block trades to 10 teams. And in year seven, he can block trades to six teams. You got all that? There's going to be a quiz later. You got to remember every single detail of, of that contract that I just mentioned there. Uh, worst case scenario for Vincent Trocek. This is through no fault of his own. But it's possible that Trocek may inadvertently hold Philip Heedle back from some massive breakout season. You know, we talked about the Panarin bump and the ability to play in the top six and what an opportunity that can be. Uh, again, it's not really Trocek's fault if he's on the second line. Uh, he's out there doing his job. But for Trocek, you know, he pretty much is the player that he's going to be. And he's a very good player. There, there's no denying it. But with Philip Heedle, I feel like given his age and given what he did this past season compared to what he had done in previous seasons, I feel like the upside for Heedle might be just a little bit higher. Um, and so if, if Trocek remains on the second line, again, it's no fault of his own, but he could possibly block Heedle from becoming, you know, the total player that he could possibly be. Uh, I think also in a worst case scenario, just like Panarin, he too becomes the target of Ranger fans a little bit. I've noticed over the years that Ranger fans and maybe other fan bases as well, they tend to go a little bit easier on their homegrown players than they do on guys that come in via free agency, especially guys that come in. And, you know, they've got, you know, somewhat big contracts as Vincent Trocek does. Uh, Trocek, as we just mentioned with his contract, does have a fairly significant cap hit. 
I feel like Ranger fans were a little bit divided when the Rangers initially signed him. I was thrilled with it. I've always been a fan of Trocheck, and I think he's one of those guys that's kind of a Swiss Army knife, B-plus at everything, does a little bit of everything uh, to help you win. Uh, but there were some Ranger fans who were lukewarm to that signing at best, and you know they wanted to see somebody like uh, like Philip Heedle get an opportunity or you know Andrew Kopp was here the season before. Maybe some people wanted to hang on to Kopp. I, I still think of all three of those players that were there for the Rangers, Strom, Kopp, and Trocheck. I still think Trocheck... Uh, was the uh, the right choice. But um, I, I could see a situation where maybe if they feel like Philip Heedle isn't getting enough ice time, that they start to take it out on Vincent Trocek at least a little bit. Uh, I think that uh, in a worst-case scenario, and this one's a little bit more of a long-term thing, um, but I'm going to say maybe that contract doesn't exactly age gracefully. I know there were a lot of fans when he initially signed the contract, it was like seven years. Like, why'd they go to seven years? The reason for that, the longer of a contract you offer someone, in most cases, the less money you're going to have to pay them per, se per season because they have uh, long-term stability and they've got money coming their way. And, you know, if you sign them to a short-term deal, the average annual value is just going to be higher. That's just the way it works. There's a lot of give and take. Uh, he's got six years left on his deal and he's 30 years old right now. So it's possible. And this isn't a situation that's uh, exclusive to Vincent Trocheck. This is the case with a lot of contracts around the NHL and just in sports in general. The last year or two of the contract may not be so great. He's going to be a little bit older. Uh, Trocek goes out there and he mixes it up quite a bit. It's possible that he's just not the player when he's 35 or 36 uh, that he's going to be that he is right now. So it's possible near the end uh, that deal doesn't look so great. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it, though. Uh, for the time being, I think it's fine. Like I said, he just turned 30, so uh, he's got a lot of good years left in the tank, I'm sure. Best case scenario for Vincent Trocek. Here's one that seems all but certain to happen for Vincent Trocek. Better puck luck. Um... There was a website that I went to, and I, I haven't been able to find it, but it was it would actually track how many times players around the NHL uh, hit the post. And for a while there, Vincent Trocek was at the top of the list. He was easily into double digits. Um, I don't know what number he ended up with, but it was a lot. I don't know if he was tops in the NHL, but certainly he was up there. Uh, Trocek, like I said, hit the post like it was his job this past season. So with just a little bit better puck luck, uh, I think he ends up with more goals than the 22 that he had this past season. 22 is a solid total. But man, if he had any kind of puck luck last year, he would have been flirting with 30 goals. And I just feel like sooner or later, the puck's got to bounce your way a little bit more than it did uh, for Vincent Trocek this past season. The other funny thing about that, like he would hit the post and I feel like it would never go in. Like you would think by accident a couple of times it would hit the post and go in. It would still be a goal. Uh, it didn't seem to happen for Trocek. Law of averages though, that tells me that he will get a little bit better puck luck this season, a few more goals uh, for the New York Rangers. And he can flirt with 30 uh, all over again. He's done it in the past. It's been a while since Trocek has had 30 in a season, but it's something that he could certainly do uh, this upcoming season. Once again, uh, I, I touched on this a second ago as well. I'm going to take it a step further now. Best case scenario, Vincent Trocek could be the best, uh, quote unquote, B plus at everything player in the league. It's tough to quantify this one, but I'll do my best to kind of explain what I mean here. As I've said in the past, I like guys that just have a solid all-around game. Maybe they're not elite at anything, but you look at Vincent Trocek, man, he can win you a face-off. He can play good defensive hockey. He can obviously score some goals. Uh, it seems like, uh, for the most part, you know, he can play with different players out there. We saw him, just like every player on the Rangers, move around the lineup. Uh, certainly, he can be out there on the power play. He was on the top unit for a good chunk of last season. He can kill some penalties as well. And he's somebody that you want on the ice when you're protecting a one-goal lead or down by a goal uh, late in a game. One of those guys just has a Swiss Army knife. He can play in all three zones. So Vincent Trocek, again, he could be the, once again, the best B-plus at everything player 
in the league. That's that's quite the label there, but I think Vincent Trocek can live up to it. Also, in a best-case scenario for Vincent Trocek, face-off dominance. This one's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, he's at 52.6% for his career, but once again, 56.1% last year. That was the highest total of his career. And if you look throughout the years, uh, he pretty much has gotten better and better with every passing season, and now uh, one of the top face-off men in the league for the New York Rangers. Sooner or later, we want to see this team win more than half of its face-offs. It's been a very long time. Uh, Vincent Trocek gives you a chance of doing that. He's certainly going to do his part, it would seem. And uh, fingers crossed, he can continue to be one of the top uh, face-off men in the league. So going to turn our attention to the third and final member of who I believe could be out there on opening night on the second line for the New York Rangers, and that's going to be Blake Wheeler, and we will do that in just a second. All right, so Blake Wheeler, he's going to be turning 37 uh, in just a couple of days here. I, I know that he turns 37 at the end of August, so he'll be 37 for this entire season. Uh, obviously, kind of the uh, the biggest free agent signing that the Rangers made this entire offseason, you'd have to think. I mean, as far as name recognition, him and Quick are kind of tied, but Quick's obviously going to be in a backup role. And Blake Wheeler could very well uh, be in a top six role for the New York Rangers. Last season with the Jets, 72 games for Wheeler, 16 goals. 39 assists. Uh, he was a minus three, 12.2 shot percentage, 17 minutes and three seconds of ice time per night. That was the lowest for Wheeler since 2010-2011. Uh, he split that season between the Bruins and the Atlanta Thrashers. Uh, I believe he's now actually the last active player that played for the Thrashers. I could be wrong about that, but I remember seeing a, a stat that was along those lines. Um, he might be the, the very last one. 35 block shots for Wheeler, 54 hits. 45 takeaways against 27 giveaways. And as far as the contract, one year, $800,000 for Blake Wheeler. He also has a no trade clause. Uh, that shouldn't really matter because, I mean, if the Rangers are in a position where they're looking to sell, then uh, we've got bigger problems than Blake Wheeler having a no trade clause. So uh, obviously I, I don't think that's going to really matter at all. Uh, worst case scenario, I think it's pretty obvious. The first thing that's going to pop into everybody's head when it comes to Blake Wheeler is the age. He will be 37 uh, naturally. I don't think anybody peaks at the age of 37, so he's not the player that he was in his prime. Obviously, I think he still has something left in the tank, but yeah, anytime you get a player that's into their mid-30s or certainly their late 30s like Blake Wheeler is, it's always going to be in your head a little bit. Uh, he has slowed down a little bit. We talked uh, with Harrison of Locked On Jets, and uh, sounds like he's not you know, the, the tremendous power skater that he used to be. That used to be one of his big strengths. He could power his way to the net um, just on the strength of his skating and, and just you know the determination to get there. Um but as far as uh, you know, the idea that like his play could fall off a cliff, I mean, it hasn't happened yet. And he played for the Jets last year, who, yes, they, they squeaked into the playoffs, but the second half of the season was not good at all for them. They kind of fell apart down the stretch and barely eked their way in there, and they were knocked out in five games by the Knights. Uh, he's going from, you know, a, a Winnipeg Jets team that I think at best is a fringe playoff team. He's going from there uh, to a New York Ranger team that has designs on uh, skating for or competing for a Stanley Cup, rather. So uh, we'll see. Obviously, fingers crossed that Blake Wheeler has one more big-time season in the tank. Uh, then he's a free agent after the year. We'll cross our we'll cross that bridge when we get there as far as, uh, you know, whether he'd be back with the Rangers or not. But, um, yeah, obviously, fingers crossed that, you know, he, he's got one more big-time season or one more solid season left in the tank here. Uh, I think in a worst-case scenario, and I touched on this just a second ago as well, worst-case scenario for Black we Blake Wheeler, the skating just is not there anymore. Um, again, the skating, the powering his way to the net, that used to be a big part of Blake Wheeler's game. 
And it sounds like the skating has declined at least a little bit. Hopefully he's got enough there where he can still do that to an extent. Uh, we'll see what we get when the Rangers, you know, lace him up for the preseason and then certainly the regular season as well. And look, obviously he's not going to be a speed demon, but uh, also have to hope that, um, you know, his, his lack of speed is not a liability for this New York Ranger team. The Rangers, as I've mentioned in the past, not really a slow team, but not a fast team either. There's not a whole lot of burners on this Ranger team that um, really give defenders nightmares, at least from a speed uh, perspective. I think in a worst-case scenario as well, you know, we heard some reports uh, out of Winnipeg that it's a little bit of a dysfunctional locker room, and it sounds like there's a little bit of a divide there between uh, the veteran players and the uh, the young players on that team. So I guess in a worst-case scenario, Blake Wheeler just wouldn't fit in from a, uh, a culture perspective, you know, just wouldn't really fit in with the Ranger locker room. I don't think that'll be the case. I mean, you know, I, I think one of the biggest reasons he signed with the Rangers is he wants to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, he's made his money. He's, uh, you know, made some all-star teams. He's had a great career. Um, the only thing that he really hasn't done is win a Stanley Cup, and he's got a chance to do that with the New York Rangers this upcoming season. And I got to figure, you know, it's probably a breath of fresh air for him because, as we mentioned, you know, things have kind of gone south with the Winnipeg Jets. He's got a whole new uh, situation now, a chance for a little bit of a refresh, a restart, um, just a new surrounding. and. Uh, I think he's going to embrace that. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about him not fitting in, but I guess it's one of those things that can never be uh, completely discounted either. I think in a best-case scenario for Blake Wheeler, and I talked about this. We did our live episode during free agency. I talked about this on that day. In a best-case scenario, Blake's, Blake Wheeler could be the absolute steal of free agency because you have somebody here who was making $8.25 million dollars per season on his last contract. Obviously he was bought out even his contract before his most recent one. He was at $5.6 million per season. And now you're the Rangers. You got this guy for only $800,000. That's only 25 K over the minimum. And, you know, I realize him getting out by the jets being bought out by the jets. Um, he's still gonna be getting $2.75 million per season. Um, but again, he gave the Rangers a break by signing with them for only 800 K. I realize he's made a ton of money. And, you know, again, the buyout money and everything. But you can't tell me that Blake Wheeler could not have done better than one year, 800K. He's here because he wants to be here. And again, he gave the Rangers a break with a salary cap situation and everything. I mean, if he wanted to be a Ranger, which it looks like he certainly did, uh, he was going to have to pretty much do what he did and uh, sign for just six figures. I mean, maybe a little bit more, but that's about as much as the Rangers could have afforded uh, to give to Blake Wheeler. So uh, very much looking forward to seeing what he can do. Obviously, again, I, I think based on the price tag that he got from the Rangers and the fact that he might be playing with Panarin, he might be in a top six role. Yeah, Blake Wheeler, even at his advanced age, has a chance to be uh, the absolute steal of free agency for the New York Rangers. I think also in a best case scenario, reuniting with Jacob Truba kind of reinvigorates him a little bit. Uh, from what I understand, the two of them were pretty tight when they were in Winnipeg. And it's kind of a role reversal now because Blake Wheeler was the captain of the Jets. And, um, you know, obviously Jacob Truba was a young player on that team. Truba is still pretty young. I mean, he's still like 28 or 29, somewhere in there. But now a little bit of a role reversal where uh, Blake Wheeler's uh, sort of joining Jacob Truba's team, so to speak. But regardless, I, I still think that uh, that's a good situation for Wheeler. He's got at least one close friend in that locker room. And I got to think whether you're a young player, a veteran, whatever it might be, you get traded, you sign with a new team in free agency, whatever the situation might be, uh, having at least one close friend on the new team that's got to help at least a little bit. At least it's not a room completely full of strangers. He knows at least one player in there. Uh, that's Jacob Truba. And so uh, hopefully, you know, again, he's just kind of reinvigorated, uh, you know, linking back up with his old friend here and 
uh, doing everything he can, like I said, to help the Rangers uh, potentially win the Stanley Cup this season. I think also in a best-case scenario, uh, the Rangers manage his time on the ice. You know, you don't want to baby anybody or anything like that. Uh, I'm sure Wheeler doesn't want that either. But it was interesting last season because two years ago with the Jets, Blake Wheeler was at 19 minutes, 32 seconds of ice time per night. Last year, it dipped all the way down to 17.03. So you get a difference of about uh, two and a half minutes per night, which, you know, you project that over 82 games. That's a pretty significant difference. Um, look, Rangers have some young players. Hopefully, they're ready to take that next step and grow into bigger roles. I think Blake Wheeler, you know, depending on where he ends up in the lineup or where the situation might be, uh, maybe you're best served to kind of manage his ice time responsibly and make sure that, you know, if the Rangers get into the playoffs this season, that he's ready to go then and kind of empty the tank for the Rangers in that situation. I think also in a best case scenario, uh, we get sort of an empty the tank kind of a season from Blake Wheeler. As I mentioned, he's about to turn 37, not getting any younger. Uh, there's only, only so many chances that Blake Wheeler is going to have left. And as I mentioned a minute ago, he's not signing with the Rangers for only six figures and one year if he doesn't truly believe that this team has a chance to win a Stanley Cup this upcoming season. And again, I don't know how much longer Blake Wheeler wants to play. Uh, we'll see. You know, once once this season ends, we'll see where everything stands and he'll be a free agent all over again. But while he's here, uh, you just hope that this is kind of an empty the tank kind of a season where he just goes out there, leaves it all on the ice every single night. If the Rangers are in the playoffs, he's somebody that's just going all out. Um, you know, even this past season in the playoffs, the Jets were uh, out of there pretty quick, but they played five games. He had two goals and four assists in the playoffs. So Blake Wheeler, you know, hopefully he's a playoff performer and so hopefully he's somebody that just kind of lays it all on, uh, all on the ice, um, you know, come playoff time and even in the regular season as well. Because you got to figure he's not going to have that many more chances to hoist the Stanley Cup over his head. He's probably aware of that as well. And so, yeah, at the age of 37, you hope that uh, he goes out there and lays all on the line every single night. And to kind of piggyback off of that, if he does that, if he plays like that, uh, again, I think more in the playoffs, but in the regular season as well, hopefully that kind of rubs off on other players on the New York Rangers. Because if 37-year-old Blake Wheeler is out there, you know, giving it everything he's got and playing every shift like it's his last and doing everything he can, he possibly can to get this Ranger team to go as far as it can go and potentially win a championship, um, if he's doing that at the age of 37, then for the young players, I mean, hey, what's your excuse, right? Even Even the... The Ranger veteran forwards, all of them except for Wheeler and Bonino, I think that's it. All, all the rest of them are like 32 or younger. So what's your excuse going to be if this guy's going all out every single night and you're not and you're in your early 30s or your early 20s or your mid-20s, uh, whatever the case might be. So I do like this pickup for Blake Wheeler uh, for the New York Rangers. Uh, looking forward to seeing how he fits in. And again, they got him at a serious, serious discount. So Ranger fans, be patient with this guy. Give him a couple games. Give him a break. Let him find his legs. Let him find chemistry with his new teammates. He's already done the Rangers a huge favor uh, by agreeing to just one year and $800,000 uh, for this season. So uh, we can pretty much wrap it up there. Uh, that'll do it for today. We are going to have one more episode this week, and then I'm going to be on vacation. But uh, we'll be back with three episodes next week as well. The only thing of note there really is that if there's any breaking news with the Rangers between now and and uh, Tuesday of next week, I'm not really going to be around for it. But I will have one more uh, pre-recorded episode for you guys that will go out um, probably tomorrow. Um, and, and just kind of hold you guys over until, uh, you know, we're back from vacation. And uh, then we'll have the uh, preseason, the regular season, all that fun stuff to look forward to. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. 
definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, it's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And please remember to uh, subscribe to Locked on New York Rangers YouTube channel as well. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.